0: The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from SingleInTheCity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, and tonight I'm very excited because we're going to be talking about sex and seduction. We'll be covering everything from how to embrace your sexuality and consequently improve your relationship to distance love and how to keep the spark alive to how you can become a master seducer. Joining me tonight is Joan Kelly Walker from The Real Housewives of Toronto. Hi, Joan. Hi, everybody. And, and uh, we have one, the one and only Dr. Jessica O'Reilly in studio, hailed as Canada's resident sexologist. She's a best-selling author, speaker, and relationship expert who's helped countless individuals transform their relationships through her worldwide relationship retreats. Welcome, Jess.
2: So happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: So, Jess, I've been trying to get you on the show for I think three years, and we needed COVID to make this happen.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> anytime.
2: I'm happy. You, to have, I will, anytime I'd be here.
1: <laughs> now, you usually travel across the globe to host your relationship retreats, which I think is absolutely amazing, by the way. So, what's it been like for you adjusting to not being able to travel for both you and your business?
2: Well, it, it's a huge shift. You know, today I'm supposed to be in Spain and then I'm supposed to head to Portugal and Romania for a speaking tour, but, you know, it'll get rescheduled. So, you know, it's a little bit disappointing, but I really can't complain. And one, one really nice thing is that I'm home with my partner, Brandon, and so uh, we're, we're getting some time that, that we say we always don't have, right? The number one resource we claim we're short of is time, and now, now we have more of that. So, so I, I'm appreciating it.
1: I always thought that he traveled with you.
2: He comes with me, I'd say about 50 to 60% of the time, but it's very fast moving, right? Just going, he can't, he can't do a flight every morning for five days in a row the way I can. So he will come when, it is, when you have a few days. So for example, uh, earlier this week, I was supposed to be in, in France and Italy, and that was more of like a six day thing. So he was coming for that part and then leaving me and going home once I started hopping around again.
1: Nice. So it's obviously so important to explore and embrace our sexuality. So let's talk about sex now. So I want to ask you, drawing upon your experience as a sexologist and relationship expert, what are the most impactful ways it can affect our relationship, both positively and negatively?
2: Well, I think that number one, there's a physical connection and everybody's desire for physical affection varies. But just touching one another. It's a hand on a shoulder or holding hands or snuggling or lying naked. It doesn't have to be sexual. We have a host of health benefits associated with physical touch. So whether it's, you know, lowering your blood pressure, even lowering your heart rate, your heart rates sync up when you look one another in the eye, when you're sitting in close proximity. Uh, Physical affection is, you know, associated with positive development, cognitive functioning, growth, and, and overall health. So, Uh, one of the biggest challenges when it comes to physical touch and sex is that when we stop having sex, which inevitably happens, either temporarily, maybe after you have kids, or you're dealing with grief, or you're just really stressed and busy with with work, or maybe you're separated because of work, like in my case, uh, if you are not having sex, many of us stop being physically affectionate altogether. So I tell people, like, for example, right now, When, you know, a lot of people find that sex is the farthest thing from our minds because we have so much stress and so much emotional labor we're dealing with. It's important that if you stop having sex, that's cool. But number one, talk about it. Talk about what's going on so that your partner doesn't have to guess why you're not in the mood. But secondly, look for other ways to be physically affectionate. So are you spending a minute together in the morning? That's what I'm trying to do right now is 60 seconds of physical connection in the morning. So sometimes I put my head on on Brandon's chest and I just listen to his heartbeat for 30 seconds. Uh, Sometimes we'll just sit kind of with our foreheads together and and breathe in bed. Other times we're snuggling or cuddling or or spooning. But can you, I challenge everyone right now, can you take 60 seconds a day to be physically affectionate with your partner? And if you don't have a partner, can Mm -hmm. you take... Can you take 60 Hmm. seconds just to uh, be in your own body, maybe with a body scan or seven deep breaths?
1: Interesting. So I guess... If
3: you have have kids in the house, though, like older kids like I do, like teenagers, it kind of, you know, I don't know, I get up and I hit the ground running more and to take that time just seems like... I don't. I, it's. I don't know. It's kind of like something I would really consciously have to make happen, and so I'm sort of making up without having random hugs throughout the day. Oh,
2: I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah, it everybody gets a hug.
3: If you're yeah, if you're
2: passing by, you get a hug. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. Even a you know a smack on the butt or a a little kind of you know tracing of your hand over the shoulder. All of these things. There's not one way to do it, I, and I also suggest that people, if you can take a minute during your day to maybe like give them a shoulder rub if they're on a tense phone call, if they're running around between Zoom calls, can you do something for them just to kind of put them at ease with, with your physical touch? And, and again, I'm only asking for a minute, right? Like it's just, it's not like 10 minutes looking into one another's eyes. Mm-hmm. Most people don't have that time. But if you can take a minute, either in the morning or throughout the day or both, I think it's laying the foundation for connection. But in some people,
1: but some people are not okay with just that that
2: some people need to have
1: sex all the time. So what about that?
2: Well, I mean, needing to have sex, and I think that, yeah, they feel they need to have sex. Um, certainly, there are different needs in terms of frequency, but if, if, if one person wants sex more than the other, then ultimately, number one, you have to have that conversation. That's what I get couples to do. I get them a piece of paper, and they write down how often they want sex and how often they think their partner wants sex, and then they exchange papers, and they have a conversation. We have to talk in hard numbers, but also, you know, sometimes you have to give yourself a hand. Somebody, If you're in the mood and your partner isn't, it's not always up to them them uh, to get in the mood you can help get them in the mood or you can go you know go in the bathroom and take care of yourself it's not always on your partner to take care of all of your needs
3: and also some people are just not comfortable with those like you know being still in physical touch for a minute and you know and then they're thinking well now what do we do like you know just to have that be its own thing I think is important
2: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think what we really need to do is recondition ourselves to enjoy physical touch without the pressure for it to lead to sex because it will overall improve relationships and then that foundation will lead to more sex if not in that very moment.
1: We need to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation around sex and sexuality right here on the Dating and Relationship Show. Don't go anywhere.
0: Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
1: Tonight on the Dating and Relationship Show, I'm joined by Joan Kelly Walker from The Real Housewives of Toronto and sexologist Jessica O'Reilly. I'm your host, Laura Bilotta. Tonight, we're talking about sex, you know, distance, love, and how to keep the spark alive, and so, so much more. So let's continue our conversation. So Jessica, with COVID-19... Uh, distance dating has fast become the norm. What advice would you offer to those who have just entered into a new relationship, particularly? Maybe just
2: before this sta- started. And So they're probably living apart. That's what you're suggesting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing so many of those cases. And it's interesting. Here's what I'm seeing during during this time of isolation is that couples tend to tell me that they're not in the mood for sex. So when you're living with your partner, your sex drive is down. And what I'm hearing from singles is that that economy of scarcity means that their sex drive is up.
1: Exactly.
2: (laughs) So you really have to look for ways to take care of yourself and still connect with your partner. So we're seeing the lost art of phone sex being revisited and we're seeing, you know, the integration of new features into even the dating apps so that you can use that platform to play, to flirt, to communicate. You know, you see Bumble has the, the question feature so that you can be asking each other kind of saucy and flirty and playful questions. And some of them are integrating voice notes, which I love because, I mean, sexting is hot and, you know, you can use your words, you can use your photos, but the sound of someone's voice tells you so much about them and mm-hmm. the connection that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm such an auditory person, like just, you my head yeah. sure. are you the same?
1: Yes, for sure. And I'm a big fan of video chatting. Like, I just launched a vid- uh, virtual speed dating, and I'm a huge fan. And I myself, I'm single, so I've been able to video chat with a couple of guys throughout this time. And I just, it makes such a huge difference. Uh, difference. Like it just, you're, you're saving so much time because you're yeah, able maybe. to gauge a person's personality, get a better sense of who they are just by talking mm-hmm. to them. And Do you them. have an
3: audio conversation with them first before you go to a video? No. The video is that much more personal. So you go straight to the video.
1: <laughs> well, I do. If they're okay with it, I always suggest video first. Oh. Yeah. And I think in a couple of years, it's going to be the norm. I think that uh, because back when I started Single in the City 18 years ago and online dating was really taboo and a lot of people had their profiles hidden, but, and, and now I think the same is going to happen with, well, and now if you have your profile hidden, like nobody's going to talk to you, right? I think the same thing is going to happen in the next couple of years. I think it's going to be mandatory. I think everybody's going to have to get on video chat in order to make connections. What do you think, Jeff?
2: Oh, I actually love that. So I don't know if you remember an app called the Peel that was more video focused. It's been around no. for a few years. Yeah, and now all the big, you know, all the big players like Bumble and Tinder are, are making it a, an integrated part of their, a part of their platforms. I know M- Bumble, for example, has a badge that you can put on your profile so people know if you're open to a virtual date. And you you really can learn so much about somebody via video chat. But also, I think it's important to note that video dating can be exhausting so people are feeling really exhausted from either zoom calls or or dating online dating platforms because you're you feel as though you're watching yourself being watched there are slight delays that can lead to miscues and misinterpretations so for example if there's a little delay you might feel less trust you know, in relation to somebody. So we have to be really mindful and patient with video chats. And I, I, what I'm telling people is to get creative with those video chats, like do something while you're on video chat, as opposed to putting the pressure where you have to look one another in the eyes the whole time. Like maybe you make the same recipe. And so you're sort of talking, but you're also off screen and really get creative with, with these opportunities. Like maybe, I don't know, you have a cappuccino contest. Uh, Cause you know, obviously like if you, if you make the same recipe, my lasagna is different than your lasagna, and it gives you something to talk about. And I'm also recommending that people go on video dates, but don't just sit and be, you know, talking heads. Can you go on a video date where you join a workshop online together, or you go to an online uh, quiz night from a local pub together? And And then after that, you have something to talk about, and you can kind of debrief from it, so it decreases the pressure. And then, of course, that brings us eventually to the to the potential of hooking up online, whether it's you know sexy talk or, as I said, sending different voice notes. And you know, yeah, let's talk your about partner.
1: that. Let's talk about sexy talk. What are some of your sexting techniques that we can use? Because I and we'll talk a little bit more about your book um, a little later on. But what are some t- sexting techniques that you have in your book?
2: Well, well, really, when we talk about sexting, I want to always start by building desires. So I think a lot of people think of sexting and they think of like dick pics or sending genitals and sending nudes, but there is so much more to it than that. And the, you know, the dopamine release occurs when you're anticipating pleasure, not when you're receiving the thing that feels pleasurable. So sexting is so important and I suggest that people begin with really creative language kind of dirty talk phrases expressing what you've been thinking about what you might be doing right now and what you might want to do in the future and i love the future because with online dating you can play with with opportunities with experiences with, with scenarios that you'll never actually want to explore and so i was talking to a young woman the other day who has uh, partners all over the world now since since the onset of the po- pandemic and because Tinder offers a passport function where you can change your location. She's got all these different boyfriends, and she loves the, the chat because she finds... She calls the them again. boyfriends? They're boyfriends? No, nah, she doesn't call them boyfriends. Uh, she calls them, <laughs> I don't know, she actually calls them by the name, and she, like, uses the, the different... People that she's passing the time with because, yeah, like, realistically... Exactly. I love it. But she, she admits that the things they, they talk about are so explicit and they probably wouldn't have these conversations if they knew they were getting together tomorrow, next week or next month. And so there, there's a lot of fun they can have. And so you start with language, just text, and then you can start sharing images if that's what you want.
3: You so might what are wanna... the expectations of that? Like, is, is she expecting to actually physically meet them once COVID is, is over
2: uh, in her case, no. In her case, no. it's just kind of a little bit of fun. They're overseas. She's an American. And well, she does spend um, part of her summer in Europe. So, you know, in the future, they might hook up, but there's really. No pressure. And I love that you bring up expectations because I think this is something we have to talk about from the onset, especially if we're talking about sexting. It's finding out if, if I say, you know, are you in the mood for this, right? Like, do you want to talk? Do you, you want to hear what I've been thinking about? Always asking permission. Uh, and it can be in a really sexy and playful way uh, rather than assuming that what you want is what your partner wants as well.
1: We need to take a break, guys. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation around sex and our sexuality. And later on in the show, we're going to learn how to become a master seducer.
2: We'll be right back.
0: Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from SingleInThisCity.ca on Global News Radio, 640
1: Toronto. Hey, guys. Sunday night, and you know what that means. It's time for the Dating and Relationship Show. You're tuned in to Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta, your host, and Dr. Jessica O'Reilly is in studio with us tonight. Uh, Also, Joan Kelly Walker's here, and uh, she is a relationship expert, sexologist. She is the bomb. (laughs) If anybody knows her stuff, it's definitely Jessica O'Reilly, and today we're talking about sex. So, um... Jessica, as human beings, we're social creatures, and we crave physical connection, and even from my clients, like, I'm beginning to see a lot of frustration, and I I think it's inevitable that people are going to begin meeting up, I mean, despite social distancing guidelines, and myself included, as I'm single, like, and I'm curious to know, what are you advising people? I mean... (laughs) We can't hide forever. Like, what if this goes on until the end of the year, right? Like, there has to be some sort of conversation to be had so that you can, at some point, meet up with someone that you're dating. What do you think?
2: Yeah, so I'm going to say the hard line from my own liability is that I'm going to tell people to follow the rules as outlined by whatever government they're they're living under. And then the reality Mm -hmm. is that I know people are getting together. And so I would take a harm reduction approach to this, just like we talk about safer sex so all sex carries some risk there's always going to be a risk of STI transmission but there are things that you can do to reduce that risk so I think it's important also to talk a little bit about couples privilege right now you know so I live with my partner so I have human contact like don't even worry about the sex but then yes I, I want to have the sex yeah human contact not dog like I'm petting my dog right now that's not mm-hmm. enough oh Yeah, and so I think that what we have to realize is that um, everything in life tends to tends to privilege couples, you know, even like financially, the cost of living is cheaper. And so right now in particular, it makes sense that, you know, maybe some singles, and again, I'm, I'm not going to ever advise somebody to do something that um, contravenes what our, you know, what our health directives are. Having said that, um, you know, I, I can't tell clients what to do and I have to meet them where they are. And if I know they're getting together where I'm really, you know, asking them, can they trust that this person is, is practicing, mm-hmm. as, you know, safe, social distancing or physical distancing with everybody else? Are they the people who are gathering in Trinity Bellwoods and in contact with, you know, dozens or hundreds of other people? Or are they staying home? And when they go to the grocery store, are they wearing their mask? Are they taking the precautions? Because I, mean, right. I look at it this way, and, and maybe, you know, somebody can challenge me on this. I'm, I'm, I'm always open to other perspectives. But My partner and I living here together, Brandon, uh, if he goes to the grocery store and I go to the grocery store and maybe one of us, I I don't have to go to work. We we happen to work from home, but maybe one of us is in a job where we do have to go to work. We bring home that risk and the two of us consent to it. And so is it different if you have one partner and your partner only has you as a partner and you're living in a different space? So I think it's, it's, it's important to start talking about how. Singles or people who live alone, not just singles, but anyone who mm-hmm. lives alone is really being are really being left out of out of the equation in terms of, uh, you know, connection. And, and let, let's let be honest. Digital connection is wonderful. And you can form, you know, meaningful, lasting relationships and develop. I agree. Personal, But it is not the same. It is not. So you really have
3: to, to trust. You have to trust. The platform and you have to trust that person and you have to Mm -hmm. use your instincts. And I just don't know if this is the time to be taking those risks because, you know, the guy is going to tell you whatever he wants or whatever it will take to kind of get you to to be with him. Yeah, but don't get me wrong. It's been a long time for some people. but don't get me
1: wrong, I don't think you should just jump in, you know, you start chatting with someone tomorrow, and then next week, you just jump, you know, you meet them, and then you start making out and having sex, that's not what I mean, I mean, I think you need to, 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 to build a relationship with someone, get to know them on a deeper level, maybe meet up, distancing, maybe a couple of times, and then, if things start getting a little more serious, then have that conversation, because I think inevitably, I mean, you know, like, yeah, it's it gets lonely, right, so that's what I think anyways but I don't think you should just jump in obviously you have to take your time to get to know someone but then I think you know have those conversations around what Jessica
2: was saying
3: are you
1: taking precautionary uh, measures
2: yeah and I, I appreciate what you're saying about the risk online because I think that's an important piece too that as you said you may not be able to trust someone online and they might tell you they're not recording but they could be screen grabbing so even when when you know you work your way up from texting words to texting voice notes to texting photos and maybe you decide you're going to have some sort of a video sexual encounter, you know, we call it digisex. Uh, I think that it's important to note that you don't have to be performing on the camera like a cam model. I tell people, you know, you might be more comfortable kind of having this interactive sexual experience online, but maybe you're in the dark or maybe you're off camera. And so there's still like the sounds and the movement they can hear, and maybe they can kind of some movement in the sheets, but you don't need to be a performer. And if you're feeling self-conscious, not even even a matter of trust, like most of us are not super confident. Like I'll tell you, I couldn't just get in front of a camera and put on a sex show for my my partner. That takes a lot of psyching myself up. So there are all these different baby steps you can take before you kind of have, I I guess, full on sex, however you define it on camera. Interesting. Joan,
3: can you do
2: that? In front of your
3: partner? (laughs) Well, I've been together with my husband. We've been married for 20 years and together three years before that. So, (laughs) yeah, I'm pretty comfortable, I'd say. But I trust him entirely. I know he's got my best interests at heart, and he always will. So, you know, it's a bit of a different dynamic. But if I was single and I was out there and I had been locked at home by myself for so long, it might be a different you know yeah. you know a different way of evaluating how much you trust that person
1: i definitely wouldn't be able to right. do that with a stranger that's for sure
3: yeah <laughs> but
2: my fun the funny thing for me is i obviously trust my partner we've been together forever too it's been 19 years but it's more me and my own confidence like i maybe i just you know i don't feel like performing so i i just want to tell people that do what you're comfortable with don't feel pressure to do everything you don't have to like be a pro at every type of sex in, in order to be a good lover
1: we need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about seduction right here on the Dating and Relationship Show. Don't go anywhere.
0: You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: This is the dating and relationship show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellata from SingleInTheCity.ca. Joining me tonight is Joan Kelly Walker and relationship expert Dr. Jessica O'Reilly. We're talking about sex today, and now yes. we're going to jump into how you can become a master seducer.
3: Yeah, I want to ask about seduction, Jeff, because you know, looking at your book, there's. So much amazing and interesting material in there. uh, The book, by the way, is called The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay, Techniques and Strategies for Mind-Blowing Sex. And everybody's listening, their ears just perked up. Um, (laughs) So Jess, what is your definition of seduction?
2: Oh, seduction is anything you do
3: to lead
2: into an erotic or pleasurable experience for yourself or for your partner. And of course, when we think about seduction, seduction has sort of been bastardized and stolen by pickup culture. And so I think so many people have come to associate seduction with manipulation and you know, a way of getting what you want, as opposed to seeing seduction as something that involves both giving and receiving pleasure so that you can all, both or all, depending on how many of you there are, uh, reap the, the ultimate sexual benefits.
1: Nice. So, okay, so obviously confidence and body image are two things that play into our sexuality. But what about, like, we're not too happy about the way we look right now? How can we honor our body as it is right now, even with the desire to improve yourself, for example, working out?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's in May, and I'm, I'm trying to see, have we ended May yet? Or we're coming up on the end of May now? This is yeah, masturbation. Yeah, the end. No, a masturbation what day is it? Day. Today's the last day. I mean, nobody know <laughs> knows what day it is anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's Fry's door. <laughs> it's the last day of masturbation, May, and I think one of the best ways to connect with your body is to derive pleasure from it and, and give it permission to feel pleasure. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to, to masturbate, but can you look for ways? that give your, your body pleasure and, and give yourself permission. Like we live in a bit of a, a, a deprivation mentality. You know, you hear people about, like you know, talking about not eating that. I'd feel so guilty. No, go ahead and eat it and eat it mindfully and enjoy it and feel it in your mouth. And like really taste the flavors so that you know what pleasure feels like without guilt. Because when we start associating pleasurable activities like sex, like eating, with guilt or pressure... That's when we become disconnected from our body. So I challenge everyone to do something that feels good for their body tonight, whether it's, you know, massaging your hand or asking a partner for a back rub or using a vibrator or using a massager or just taking time in the shower to kind of have a mindful shower where you feel the water, the temperature on your skin. It doesn't take any extra time to do this. I know people are busy and my clients are busy. Like my my clients are, every single one is, is either an entrepreneur or they're running a business. So I'm trying to give you things that are short and fit into your schedule. Mm -hmm. But yeah, ultimately, uh, if you're not feeling great about your body, do something that feels good. Maybe it's yoga. uh, Maybe it's even just two minutes of stretching. Like it doesn't always have to be a workout. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I was sitting on my butt For a few months during the early phases of of this isolation, um, just because I was swamped with work and I'm sitting at my computer and I've never been in so much pain as I have been from sitting. So normally I'm in an airplane, I'm in five-inch heels, I'm on stage, and I feel fine, but just sitting has been so hard on my body. So, you know, as the weather warms up, lucky enough I was able to get out and, and, you know, go rollerblading, and there's not really anyone around on the path yesterday. So do something that feels good just for two to five minutes today. Don't get hung up and and say, I don't have time to work out. Like literally just do ten squats right now.
1: And I feel the same way sitting all the time makes my body hurt. Joan, do you feel mm-hmm. the
3: same way? Oh, for sure. And you know, if you're feeling like I should be I shouldn't be eating that, then don't eat it. And and to your point, Jess, you know if you're feeling like, oh, I should have worked out, then do ten squats right now. Like do something and observe. Like instead of just having a shower, like think about the shower, think about what's happening, and observe how that makes your body feel. I find those things are really effective. But I know we're going to run out of time, and I want to keep talking about seduction. Um, and you know, you were talking about the art of verbal communication, like dirty talk.
1: So you're a big fan oh, of that. dirty talk. Yeah. I like dirty talk. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, we actually spend so much time on communication like the good, the bad, the dirty. And uh, in, in this book, because it's such an important piece and talking dirty, I think, is a bit of a misnomer because talking dirty doesn't necessarily have to be uh, explicit or nasty. Dirty talk can be romantic. Dirty talk can be about breaking sexual taboos. It can be playful. It can be dominant. It can be submissive. Uh, it can be used to cultivate consent. It, it can be used to make requests. It can be used to play with role play. So, I mean, I can give you examples for, for each of these, because I give you so many examples in the book, but if we, if we look at, you know, Dirty Talk being about romance, you might say something like, I'll never want anyone but you, or you're too good, no one could ever compare, or I love you so much, and when you do that to me, my love only deepens. So it, it can be lots of different things depending on your personality and your mood. You might even explore fantasies that are non-monogamous, fantasies that you may never want to explore in real life. But you can kind of play with those fantasies through dirty talk. Or you can play with taboos. You know, you can ask about being tied up. You can ask about, you know, filming one another. Again, you don't have to follow through on anything you say to arouse a partner's interest or even to just get your own juices flowing so you can be you can be more playful and say things like well you know I always get what I want or you know um, you can have me any way you want me or let's wrestle winner takes all or if you want to be more dominant or oh, you can get really raunchy too oh yeah you can get really raunchy too. <laughs> <laughs> of course, like, yeah, okay, I, I want the
1: cream, <laughs> oh yeah you can get raunchy okay
2: but how do we go about developing dirty talk that works for us um, so I, I say practice in a whisper. Sometimes it's not written you know, your, your parents taught you. Uh, I always joke that my mom taught me everything I need to know about dirty talk without knowing. She always said, Jess, it's not what you say, it's how you, how say, you it. say it. How you say it, yeah. Hey, hey, listen, I've
1: never dirty talked and had a guy go, stop doing that.
3: <laughs> oh, <laughs> what are
1: yeah. you doing? Stop. <laughs> it always worked.
2: <laughs> yeah. Dirty talk is the skill of every lazy lover too. I always joke, I'm like you never have to get on top, you don't have to do much if you can talk your way in because that that's really what creates the the fantasy that builds up the tension and, and leads into the emotional experience, which I'd love to talk about after as well.
1: <laughs> on that note. Wow, time time is flying. We need to take a break. When we come back, I, I wanna ask Jessica about embracing rejection.
0: Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from SingleInTheCity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. This
1: is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellata. and I'm joined by Joan Kelly Walker and sexologist Jessica O'Reilly. What a great conversation today, ladies. And Jessica, Mm -hmm. thanks again for joining us today.
2: Oh, and you know it's my pleasure.
1: Now, Jess, many of us are, you know, spending 24-7 with our significant other, not I, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jonas, uh, being home all the time, working from home. And it can be really difficult to try you know, not to fall into the trap of monotonous interactions, being in each other's face too much, et cetera. So how can couples quarantining together keep things fresh and sexy? Because you stated that if you want to have hotter, more frequent sex, you need to consider your daily interactions to ensure that seduction and foreplay begin long before you enter the bedroom
2: Ooh <laughs> like that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we, we spent some time exploring ways to eroticize daily interactions. Yeah.
3: Yeah,
2: you're not a light switch. You can't go from talking about, you know, whether your kid is constipated or, you know, what your mother in law needs in terms of a meal dropped off to like all of a sudden tearing one another's clothes off and saying, Hey It has we're... happened though, it has happened. <laughs> uh, I wish I wish that's how it worked all the time. But we we generally need to cultivate desire. And this has to do with um, models of sexual desire being spontaneous versus responsive. So what I mean by that is for some people, they're spontaneously in the mood for sex. But for most people, we have to get aroused first. And this is what the research shows. We have to do something to get physically aroused. When we recognize the arousal, that's when we experience desire. So if you wait until you're in the mood to have sex, you'll never have sex. So ways to be more erotic and playful uh, just in your daily interaction. One is to limit complaining. And I know that there, there is a lot more to complain about right now. I know people are feeling very frustrated, but I have clients do something called a complaint dump. And so this is where you share your frustrations and you get your complaints off your chest at a very specific time. So maybe it's five minutes midday or five minutes at the end of your workday, depending on how your day is structured. And then you kind of just let it go. And you remind one another uh, that if there's something you want to complain about, first of all, most of us, it is actually more first world problems. But of course, people are still dealing with grief and tragedy and loss right now. But let's, let's kind of focus on what we can appreciate and limit our complaints. So that's one option. Um, another thing, and I love this for couples who are in the house together, is to just text playfully rather than, you know, yelling up the Mm. stairs or only flirting when you're next to one another. Can you, you know, sneak off, especially, you know, you you had talked about having older kids in the house. Can you sneak off into the bedroom midday when the kids are in the basement and send your partner a text and ask them if they want to meet you up there? Now, again, this doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. you have to have like full on sex, however you define it. It could be like, I just have two minutes and wanted to tease with you a little bit. Right. And then maybe you follow through later um, i know other couples one thing i'm after having them do is leave love notes and kind of sexy notes in unexpected places like hiding them throughout the house or in their drawers so i mean obviously again it depends if you have kids so, if you have kids you're not going to but, but yeah. so what if you've never done that how do you, how do you start doing that like be, because, Joan, if
1: you started doing that now after 20 years of marriage, wouldn't that seem odd or weird? Well,
3: leaving leaving love notes and stuff, I think he'd be like, what? Like, at first, I think... <laughs> Are you grow. cheating on me? <laughs> pretty fast. But I think, you know, the texting thing, that's a great idea. I'm going to start to do that. But just what happens, though, if, if they just either don't get it or they, like, flat out turn you down and you get rejected?
2: Oh, that's, that's so tough. So I think the key to being a master seducer and really being a great lover is the capacity to embrace rejection because when you are afraid of rejection you don't take risks right so and of course we're all afraid of rejection it's a human humans are social social animals right so we actually need Social support, and we crave it. And when we experience rejection, uh, the pain we experience in our brain is actually really similar to physical pain, but it in fact can be worse because you can recall emotional pain, but you don't, you don't, uh, you can't really recall physical pain. So it's so important to learn to manage rejection, um, so that so that you do go ahead and and take risks. And I find that many of us, and I can tell you that I struggle with this, uh, you know, I write a book on seduction, but I do have a fear of rejection, I am afraid of rejection. And the only way to get over a fear or deal with an anxiety is to expose yourself to it. So I need to go ahead and push my comfort zone, and get rejected and see that, hey, the relationship isn't over, my life doesn't suck. It's not as bad as I thought it would be.
3: And so uh, you know, well, what about communicating with them and saying like, you know what I was trying to do was this or, you know, of just
2: course. having that
3: conversation?
2: I mean, you've been with your husband 20 years, which means you know what you're doing. Like, yeah, absolutely um you you do have to communicate with them and say you know what i was trying to flirt with you um and and you have to also like look at context so if my partner's on a, on a zoom call and i send them like a sexy text and it pops up and i don't get a response um i may not know that they're on that zoom call because they're in another room but i have to ask myself okay what else could be going on and wait till they're done and say hey do you have a minute to talk i sent you that text and i didn't get a response and then it's their chance to give me some reassurance right so the the key to intimacy is taking a vulnerable feeling like saying oh I felt rejected you don't have to use that language but like oh I you know I was hoping you would respond expresses that you feel rejection the key to intimacy is I express vulnerability you respond with love and then we feel closer so if I say hey you know I was hoping I'd get a response and he says oh my gosh I'm so sorry I popped up on the call and I thought it was super cute and then I I just got taken away but you know you're going to hear from me in the next five minutes or something like that. Uh, that's probably going to lead to us feeling closer. And then sometimes we have to remember exactly what you said. You have to tell your partner what you want. You have to say, listen, I was reading this book or I was on this call or I listened to this, this radio show and they said mm. that this is good. So can we integrate some of that, please? Listen, relationships don't just happen. They take work and planning. Like my course that I teach is, is marriage as a business. I'm taking business skills, planning skills, All of that professional acumen and applying it to businesses, applying it to relationships. And people say, oh, it's not romantic. I'm like, romance romance doesn't keep relationships alive. Mm -hmm. Communication, planning, understanding one another's needs. That's what keeps relationships going in the long term.
1: And just uh, just wanted to say something about rejection. If you're single and you're dating and you don't embrace rejection, then you shouldn't be out there dating because <sighs> rejection, no, seriously, it's the norm nowadays. Jessica, you see it too, like from people being emotionally unavailable or people dating multiple people at a time or mm-hmm. people ghosting, you know, they see something they don't like, they disappear. And so, And also if you're single, you need to keep in mind, if you haven't met that person yet, like face-to-face, it's not rejection, right? So they haven't yeah. met you. They don't know how wonderful you really are. So so you That's really do, you're right, need to embrace rejection, which I think it's, it's again, difficult to do. But... Um, yeah, it's possible.
2: <laughs> well, and, and it really is about emotional literacy. I, I don't know if we have time to get into it, but it really is about being access, being able to access a range of emotions with your own language, and that is a skill in and of itself. So when we talk about sex, it's not really about, oh, turn your hand 90 degrees this way and use lube. It really is about emotional literacy. Jessica, when we
1: come back because we need to take a break, we're gonna talk about tapping into our sexual fantasies. Awesome it's gonna get juicy now guys, so stay with us.
0: You're listening to the dating and relationship show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: We're back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Laura Bellotta, your host, and I'm joined by Joan Kelly Walker and sexologist Jessica O'Reilly. What a great conversation, guys. So let's continue. Why is it so important to keep an open mind when it comes to new experiences that your partner may be interested in or turned on by? So you gave an example of your partner being interested in possibly attending a sex club now I think the majority of the population would be opposed to that and possibly even assume that your partner wants to get with other people which which might make you feel a little bit insecure in the relationship so why is it important to keep an open mind about things that may make us feel uncomfortable as a gut reaction
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, anything, anytime there's a bit of discomfort is where you can access these elevated erotic feelings. Anytime you're feeling uncomfortable is where you can subvert an uncomfortable emotion into a pleasurable one. And so what's really important in the context of the relationship is that when your partner says something that you're not into, you have every right to say no, but I would hope that your response is not No way, no how, end of discussion. Instead, if you really want a meaningful relationship and a happy sex life, you're going to say, no, I'm not into that. And I want to talk about why it makes me feel insecure or the thought of that, like a a sex club. I am afraid I will feel jealous. I'm afraid I will feel inadequate. I'm afraid I will feel pressure. I think those are really important words. I'm afraid. Or you want to be with other people. yeah absolutely absolutely yeah and so i mean i'm a big proponent of sex clubs not because i think people should open up their relationships but i think that it is um really concerning that we are expected to have hot sex lives and we've never seen real live sex right we've only seen porn which is performative it's you know as i've seen real life sex good isn't it isn't it so (laughs) i mean for me it was life-changing i already had i'd already done like a, a you know all my degrees in this field and I'd still never seen it. And I couldn't coach football without seeing a real game. I couldn't teach teach about cooking without having watched other people cooked or watch cooking shows. So uh, it is so important to keep an open mind and absolutely you do not have to do everything, but if you want a happy relationship, you're going to have to talk about it and really dig deep and get vulnerable. And this again, goes back to emotional literacy because my response might be jealousy but am I able to say the words when my partner says I want to go to a sex club, I might feel jealous and threatened and insecure. But do I have that language or do I judge them? Do I lash out? Do I get angry? Do I withdraw? Do I shut down? And so I tell people, I, I love this for children even, to print out a list of emotions on the fridge so that when it, most of us just feel angry, right, we feel angry, we, we feel happy, we maybe feel sad, maybe feel a little scared. But when we have a broader spectrum of language to access to say, you know what, like that just makes me feel like, like this. it could threaten our relationship or this makes me feel like I'm not enough for you. We need to be able to have that language. And then, of course, the flip side is you have to have a partner who's really sensitive and open to hearing those expressions as well.
1: I love that. All right, let's mm. talk about our sexual fantasies. We don't have much time. So, yeah. what if you have taboo like sexual fantasies? I mean, do we talk about those? Because in your book, you said that we should talk about our sexual fantasies. But what if they're really taboo? Like, yeah. and it's not something that you
2: can really talk about? Especially if they're taboo. So, my advice really? is for, is there a for, list? Talking, for talking about sexual fantasies is, is to turn to pop culture. Like, whatever show you're watching or movies, wherever you've seen it. Just use that as a conversation starter with with your partner, because it can be easier to talk about third party fictional uh, experiences than to come right out and say, I am into that. Now, if if you can do that, good for you, but not all of us can. So if you're watching an interaction, you know, like on any Netflix programming or any, you know, any programming on television, you're going to see uh, a, a range of depictions and you can just say, hey. Uh, like, what do you think of that? How do you feel but about if,
1: that? But if something comes up as a sexual fantasy, it doesn't really necessarily mean you're really in real life going to be into that.
2: Of course. I mean, I, I don't want to do most of the things that that get me, uh, get, you know, get me turned on, and I think that's an yeah. important piece. You were gonna, gonna say that... "get you off," Jess. I know. Yeah, you... I almost said that. I almost said that. You're allowed <laughs> to say that on this
1: radio show, I believe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a really important piece. You don't ha- You have to. You can tell your partner this really turns me on. I'd never want to do it, but the the idea of talking to you about it is so hot. And then you can break down that fantasy. And I, you know, when I was working more one on one with clients, that's what we did. Was okay. I have. A fantasy about, for example, a threesome, but I don't actually want to have a threesome. So what might I do? I might watch porn with a threesome. I write, might read a story about a threesome. I might blindfold my partner and use two hands and some lube, so it feels like two tongues, like a threesome. I might talk about it in in a role play. There are so many different things you can do to access components of a fantasy without living it out. And that's why I think the most important piece people can can take away is the core erotic feeling. How do you want to feel in order to get in the mood for sex? And the elevated erotic feelings, what emotions take sex to the next level? Because oftentimes the fantasy isn't about what you're doing, it's about how you're feeling. So start talking about the
3: emotional attachments to sex.
1: Joan, do you have a question?
3: Oh, boy, such big questions right here at the end. Uh, Tips for physical seduction.
2: Oh, physical seduction, just really be thinking about connecting with their whole body slowing down however fast you think you should move touch them more slowly only use the backs of your hands to begin with if you tend to rush do not go for their hot spots build deprivation that's what makes it feel good
1: in your book you also advise people that that they can sex their partner photos of other people and that you don't always have to just send photos of yourself now this can be a hard thing for people to wrap their heads around because I know that, if you know, if my guy started sending me pictures of other girls, I'd probably punch him in the mouth. Well, not really, but, you know, <laughs> literally, but I would be upset.
2: Yeah, so I would think more pictures that would turn you on. So maybe it's like a picture of a a couple embracing or a piece of erotic art or a video clip that might turn you both on. I wasn't really suggesting Now, First of all, there's nothing wrong with texting photos that turn myself on. But I would really be thinking about like what would get my partner going and and everybody's openness to that kind of monogamish territory is different so you need to know your relationship and that's one thing we talk about a lot in the book it's not like hey this technique will work hey you need to have conversations determine the context and arrangement and agreements of your relationship and then see which of these techniques or prompts and there's hundreds of them to play with work for you not everyone is going to work like you know I love that Joan said well I I don't have a minute in the morning but I have a minute throughout the day perfect right I I don't have the answer for you you know your relationship better and you know your lifestyle better so as, so-called, as a so-called expert, I'm just here to provide some guidance, share some data, and then you, you kind of adjust it to fit fit your own life.
1: Well, that ends our show. Jessica O'Reilly, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And Joan, as always, always a pleasure to have you in studio with me. Well, from your home, anyways.
2: <laughs> My home
1: Jessica studio or- Jessica, where can people find you in your awesome new book?
2: Uh, it's the ultimate guide to seduction and foreplay available everywhere books are sold. And you can find me at Sex with Dr. Jess and the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. And
1: Joan, where can people
3: find you? And I am on Instagram at Joan Kelly Walker Official or my website, joankellywalker.com. And you can find me on Instagram, official Laura
1: Bellata or my website, singleinthecity.ph. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Ciao for now.